Welcome to Crossroad International Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us. In today's message, Pastor Steve will share about God's positioning system, or GPS. The following message about GPS concerns the scriptures that God gave us to show us the way to Jesus. We will begin by hearing about the voyage of the USS Jeanette that embarked on an expedition to the North Pole. The men on board the USS Jeanette were convinced that the North Pole was a tropical place. They had made this voyage based on a man-made theory, but as you can imagine, what they found was far from a tropical paradise. Please stay tuned to discover how to live a life that lines us up with God's positioning system. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. You got to the North Pole, it was a warm, tropical area and so this expedition this was the United States Navy setting out to prove this in 1879 the problem was it was simply a man's theory they got up to about the 75th parallel and this is what happened they stayed on this ship. They had enough provisions for three years because it was going to be a three-year journey. About three months into the journey, this happened. They spent the next two years on this ship waiting for the warm currents to come up and thaw out the ice so they could flow on to the North Pole. At the end of two years, the ice had completely crushed the ship and it sank. So the captain of the ship and all of his crew then had to hike for months over all of this ice and terrain. And half of the crew, including the captain, all perished. Because there was a theory they thought was good and they based their life on that theory. And it didn't come out very well. Many times for you and I, culture often sells us things that are faulty. They give us ideas of things we can do in our life. And when we follow them, the end result is not very well. The next slide with the airplane on it. When I was... um, flying in Kenya, they had a thing here, it's called an airport compass rose. Once a month, we had to take our airplane out to this compass rose to recalibrate the compass inside of our GPS. Because the rigors of flying in rough landings, and I had quite a few of those from time to time, they would knock the compass in the GPS off just a little bit. But it doesn't take much to get you in trouble. One half of one degree out of calibration on a compass in a GPS, between here and Dubai, you would miss the airport by four miles. If you were flying from here to Washington, D.C., you would miss the airport by 47 miles. 
Now that doesn't sound like a lot, but 47 miles from the Washington airport, you're still in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> and you say, well, that, that doesn't mean a lot. Well, it does if you're on the plane. <laughs> and so what we would do is this long line is pointing to true north. So you'd line your airplane up on that, and then you would adjust, you would set the compass to true north. Then you would have to get out and turn the airplane around to face due south and adjust the air. And then you would go to every one of those points on the rows all the way around. And you do that two or three times to get your compass accurate. Because you want, when you're in the air, you want your GPS, when it says you're at your destination, you want to be at your destination. Understand? God's GPS, God's positioning system, His Word never needs to be calibrated. It is true north. We have to get on the compass rows of God's Word and calibrate our lives to fit His Word. I just want to give you a few facts about the Bible. The Bible reads as a factual news account of real events, real places, and real people. Historians and archaeologists have repeatedly confirmed its authenticity. And the Bible not only inspires us, but it explains life and it explains God to each one of us. Now, please understand, the Bible does not answer all the questions that we have, but it is a guide for godly living. For example, Steve and Heather are looking for an apartment. Did you find chapter and verse in here of what apartment to get? No. So it doesn't answer all questions. You won't be able to take the Bible when you go to lunch today and it will tell you exactly what you need to eat. Okay? But the Bible is a guide. It is our GPS for godly living if we will listen to it. Now, I have a GPS, but I have a, a habit that's not a real good habit. Sometimes I think I know better than the lady in my GPS. And my wife can attest to this. Sometimes I talk to the lady in my GPS and tell her, I'm not going that way. This way is shorter. Most of the time, the GPS is right. <laughs> can you attest to that, guys? <laughs> I had a friend of mine, he says, I, I refuse to use a GPS. I said, why? He says, I can't take two women telling me what to do. <laughs> and then that started a discussion in our car. Why are GPSs all female voices? Because as a guy, I wouldn't listen to a man telling me what to do. That's why. So we need to follow the GPS. The Bible encourages us to rely on God's strength and God's direction. And the Bible shows us how to have eternal life if we will follow it. 
So who is the author of the Bible? Simple answer, God is the author. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instructions in righteousness. And then Galatians says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Christ Jesus. So God is the author of the Bible, but God didn't write it. God used men to write the Bible. There's a big discussion now that people believe that God literally with his hand wrote the Bible and gave it to us. 1 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecies never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Here are some of the men God used. He used kings, princes, poets, philosophers, statesmen, unschooled fishermen, tax collectors, and others. God used men to write the Bible. Moses was a political leader. Peter was a fisherman. Amos was a herdsman. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Basically, he was a slave. Daniel was the prime minister of the nation, and Luke was a doctor. God used a wide variety of people to put down what we have today as the Bible. The Bible was written over a span of more than 1,500 years by 40 different writers. Now, using the writer's own style, God shows us His will and what it is like to know Him. Let me just give you an example of the four Gospels. The Gospel of Matthew was written by a tax collector. It was written to the Jews, and it portrays Jesus as the king. So using Matthew's personality, Matthew's style of writing, his audience was a Jewish audience, so the whole gospel of Matthew points to King Jesus. Mark was written to the Romans, and it looks as Jesus as the servant. More miracles are recorded in Mark than any other gospel because Jesus came to serve man. Luke was written to the Greeks, and Luke talks about Jesus as the man. So Matthew talks about him as the king. Mark talks about him as the servant. Luke talks about him as man. The Gospel of John has no audience that it is directed to. So the Gospel of John talks about Jesus is God. So you have four different perspectives of Jesus in the four Gospels, written by four different individuals. That's why sometimes you have different stories 
told about Jesus. So if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do you have the whole story of Jesus? No. Because the Bible says if the heavens were a scroll, you could not contain all of the things that Jesus said and did. We have a, a glimpse of what Jesus is like from the scripture. We know a little bit about what God is like from the scripture. This is our guide to the way God wants us to live. There is one central message consistently carried in all 66 books by all 40 writers. It is this. The God who created us all desires a relationship with us. And he calls us to know him and to trust him. I don't know if you caught it in the video, but it says studying the word of God does not lead to eternal life. It leads us to Jesus. Christianity is not about knowing this book from front to back. I have talked to some people who claim to be atheists that knew the Bible better than I did. Okay, knowing the word is not what makes us a Christian. Knowing who the word talks about is what makes us a Christian. A relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. So I just want to look at a few things that this GPS, the Word of God, will help us do. The Word of God is our standard. It is true north. It is what we need to do and how we need to live. And it says that we need to study the Bible for ourselves and learn the truth. Last week, Dell told you that this lines on the back of your bulletin is not there so you can stare at it and go cross-eyed. It's so you can bring your pen and take notes. Because in Acts 17, 11, it says, These were more fair-minded than the men of Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, and they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. I want to say this, and hopefully it comes across in the right way. Because um, I, I realized this morning something was said that wasn't what was meant to be said, and we all got a good laugh out of it. So I, I think we need to vet our worship leaders a little more that their marriages are right and all of these things are, you know, not falling apart in their lives. And I, <laughs> I hope you can trust me, but don't. Okay, is that fair enough? I know you can trust Dell, but don't. Take notes of what we say. Look at the notes we send out by the email. Get your Bible, get those notes, and look it for yourself to make sure that what we say is true. Okay? Because this is a very sacred place to be sharing God's word. And God holds me responsible for every word that I share from this pulpit to you. But when you sit in the pew, 
When you sit there and listen, God holds you accountable for everything you receive and you believe. So if, if something is said that is in error and you take it in and believe it, God holds you responsible. So Dale and I are diligent. We do the very best we can to make sure everything we preach is sound biblical doctrine. But guess what? We're human. And I have made mistakes. I have gone back and looked at some sermons I preached when I first got to Africa and go, Oh, Jesus, forgive me. <laughs> Please, I hope nobody listened to that. Because, you know, sometimes in our, in our zeal, we'll, we'll grab something and we'll preach it. A friend of mine read a scripture. He didn't have his glasses. He left them at home. And so he read the scripture and he looked at it and he read it and he looked at it again and he read it again. He said, folks... I've been preaching for almost 30 years and I've never seen that scripture in the Bible before. It's because it wasn't there. <laughs> what he read was not what was written on the page because he didn't have his glasses. And he went on to preach about what he had read. Okay, that was an honest mistake. But you need to study this thing every day if possible to see if what you are hearing is true. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. We can't rightly divide it if we don't know it and we don't read it. Amen? Next, the Bible is our standard and it is above our traditions. Cultural traditions and church traditions. Mark 8, 8 and 9. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the traditions of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things. He said, all too well you reject the commandments of God that you may keep your traditions. Matthew 5, 1 through 6 says basically the same thing. It was talking to the Pharisees about they made the word of God non-effective because they preferred their traditions over God's word. We have to be careful that no tradition or no church teaching takes priority over the word of God. I've told the story. I've been in places before. I was in one church and the message was going good. Everybody was enjoying it and laughing and we were having a good time, but it was hot, so I took my coat off. And when I took my coat off, I immediately lost the anointing. And they were ready to chase me out of the room because I had on short sleeve shirt. And their church doctrine was to be a man of God, you had to wear long sleeves. So as soon as they saw my bare flesh, the anointing was gone. Now, that's a tradition of man, a church tradition that has nothing to do with Scripture. Okay? So we need to make sure that the Bible is above my tradition. 
And then our daily conduct should be Christ-like. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 36. But I say unto you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who despitefully use you. Is that human nature? How many of you just naturally bless those that curse you, pray for those that despitefully use you? That's a supernatural thing. See, that I love the disciples. They were just guys like you and I. One day there were some folks that were preaching, that were talking about, bad about Jesus, saying all kinds of things about Jesus. He was a friend of publicans and sinners, and he was a blasphemer and all of this. And the disciples were a lot like I am sometimes, Jasper. They said, Jesus, let us call fire down from heaven and burn them up. Coming back from Peter's house yesterday, I almost wanted to call fire down a, on a guy on the 30. <laughs> but I had just been studying these scriptures and I couldn't do it. Okay? Because our conduct has to be Christ-like. Amen? And there's a lot of other scriptures there that you can read it. Things that we need to do to be Christians. And then the Bible is our source. It's our source for faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? A good sermon? A good testimony? Good songs? No, by hearing the Word. That's why when we preach, we use a lot of Scripture. Because it's the Word that brings faith. It is our source for healing. Proverbs 20, or 4, 20 and 22. My son, give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. And do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to their flesh. God's word and God is the source of our healing. I remember... Right after we were saved, not too long, I was working in a sawmill. It was after Bible, well, five years after we were saved. We were, it was after Bible college, before we went to the mission field. And I was working at a sawmill, and one day we were going to church or somewhere. I can't remember where it was. And there was this little stray dog on the side of the road. And my wife and my kids wanted that little dog. So as a good husband and a good dad, I stopped the car and got out, and I grabbed a hold of the dog. And he grabbed a hold of me right here, and he won. I think we were going to church. Well, that night, my hand was all swollen up. And so I went forward and had the elders pray for me. And then on the way home, went by the emergency room and got an injection. You know, I'm a man of faith, so <laughs> understand? <laughs> the next morning, sitting in my office, 
I noticed my hand was perfect. And I made this statement. Wow, I don't know what was in that shot they gave me at the hospital last night, but it worked. And immediately God spoke to me. He says, I'll let you see how good that medicine is without my hand on it. And before my eyes, my hand started swelling. And red marks started running up my arm. And they were, the red lines, you know what that is? That's blood poisoning. Was up to about here. And I've been told if it gets past your shoulder into your heart, you're finished. So I started repenting really fast. I said, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It wasn't the drugs. I know it was the prayer that healed me. But I'll never give your glory to anybody else. And God was just teaching me a lesson. Yes, he can use the doctors. Yes, he can use the injections. But we need to give him the glory. And immediately my arm, the swelling started going down. The red line started going away. And I started praising God for healing me. And giving me a lesson of not stealing his glory. I go to doctors. I go to hospitals. I mean, I'm here today because of a surgeon fixing my lungs. But God's the one that gave them the wisdom. And God's the one that guides them. So we need to make sure that God is our source for healing. God can do it miraculously or he can use a doctor and medicine. It's our source for spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus is the word. Anybody disagree with that? Dell will show you to the door. No. <laughs> Jesus is the word of God. In the beginning was... The Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And God's Word is eternal. It will not return unto Him void. Matthew. And then the Bible is our success. So it's our standard, it's our source, and it's our success. It's our success when we obey it. Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. When we meditate in this word, when we line our lives up with God's word, God's positioning system, and walk according to God's word, we will have Success. Now, does success mean you're going to live in a huge house and drive a Rolls Royce and all of these things? No, success means you're doing what God told you to do. A friend of mine, David Shibley, said he has only one fear. And that fear is when he gets to heaven and he stands before Jesus. Jesus is going to say, David... This is what I planned for you. This is what you accomplished. He says, I want to accomplish everything that God has planned for my life. And I can only do that when I walk 
according to his word. And God will do what he says. Listen to what it says about Abraham in Romans 4.20. And he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And then preach the word. We're not to preach philosophy or theology, but to preach the word. I have been in churches where the pastor got up and held up the morning newspaper and read from the morning newspaper and based his sermon on something from the newspaper, not from the word. And I've told this story before, and I'm going to close with this. When I first went to Africa, 1984, May of 1984, I left my wife behind. I left my three kids behind. My youngest son at that time was 10 months old. And I was going to go in Africa for, was supposed to be about three months, and it ended up being, I was there till November, till Thanksgiving. And so I wanted to be effective. Here I am, I've quit my job, I'm going to Africa, I left my wife and my kids behind, I'm not going to see them for this time. God, I want to be effective. And so we were sitting on a 747 on final descent into Jomo Kenyatta Airport in Kenya. And God spoke to me and he said, son, if you want to be effective, you brought too much with you. And so I took a mental inventory of my luggage because we were going to be camping on an island, flying in in a private plane. So I was allowed two pair of trousers, five shirts, five changes of underwear. That was it. So I'm thinking of my luggage, and I go, well, okay, God, I guess I can send one pair of trousers back home and some of my shirts. He said, I'm not talking about your luggage. I'm talking about what's inside of you. He says, take the four years of theology that you learned in Bible college and leave it on the plane. I don't need it. He says, take your philosophy of Christianity and your philosophy of me and everything you figured out about me and Christianity and leave it on the plane. I don't need it. I said, okay, God, is that? He said, no, one more thing. He says, take all of the plans that you have made for the next three months and leave it on the plane. I don't need your plans. I said, God, what do I have left? And he spoke very clearly, my word. He says, I have, con I have promised to confirm my word. I have promised that my word will never return unto me void. If you preach my word, you will be successful. And I had a whole notebook of sermons that I had prepared because I was going to be teaching three or four times a day for the whole time I was there. And I had this whole stack of teaching notes. And I started going through them. And they were based on doctrine, philosophy, these things, very little scripture, all good stuff. But it wasn't solid based on Scripture. 
And I started tearing these messages out of my notebook and stuffing them in that little thing in front of the front of you where they tell you it's not a trash can. <laughs> but a lot of people leave their iPads there. So I started stuffing these messages in there. And when I finished, my notebook was empty. Because not one of my messages at that, up to that time was solidly based just on Scripture. And so I started writing new messages. And everything I taught from that point till now is based solidly on Scripture with every point backed up by Scripture. And if the Scripture doesn't make the point I want to make, I take my point out of my outline. See, too many times we get our outline and then we try to force a Scripture to prove what I want to know. But see, if we live our life that way and we're not lined up completely with this book, you may be on a lifelong destination to heaven, but just like if the compass is off a half a degree in the GPS in my plane, and I'm flying from here to Washington, D.C., and I'm 46 miles off the airport, and we're not lined up with God's Word, we may overshoot heaven and not make it. So I just want to encourage you today to get in God's positioning system. Dale, if you want to come on up. The Word. And align yourself with this book. Forget about your doctrines. Forget about your plans. Forget about your philosophies. You know, right now as Americans, we have to forget about whether we're Republicans or Democrats or whatever. You know, wherever country you're from, things are going haywire. Do you realize there will be no Filipinos in heaven? Did you know that, Arnie? <laughs> Dr. Joshua, did you know there'll be no Indians in heaven? Matt, there'll be no Brits in heaven. Sorry. Chester, there'll be no South Africans in heaven. Be no Americans in heaven. <laughs> Only Christians go to heaven. Amen. Amen. There will only be Christians in heaven. Because the moment I made Jesus my Savior, my citizenship changed to become a citizen of heaven. And so we need to make sure that our priority is on fulfilling the laws and the commandments of our citizenship, which is in heaven. Now, while we're on this earth, we have to obey the laws that are here as long as they don't come against God and Scripture. Then we just have to take a stand for righteousness. But we have to remember that we have a higher calling now that we are Christians. This is the Constitution of heaven. These are the laws of heaven. And so we need to make sure that we adjust the compass that we have to line up with God's positioning system of his word. 
because it's our standard, it's our source, and it will be our success. So I just want to take a few minutes. We're not going to drag this out, and I just want you to examine your life. Do you live your life according to His Word? Or are you like I am sometime and just tell the GPS, sorry, but I don't think that's right. I'm going this way. I've done that with God. And learned from my mistake, it doesn't work out well. When I was growing up and I disobeyed my dad, he was a disciplinarian. And our Heavenly Father says he disciplines everyone that he loves. So just examine your heart and ask God, is there anything that I'm doing that is because I want to do it, not because of what I know you want to do? And then we'll pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for your word. Father, your word is challenging. Your word is sharper than the two-edged sword and your word divides the soul and the spirit. And your word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Father, your word will accomplish what you send it forth to accomplish. Father, we ask right now that you would just touch our hearts. That, Father, we would align ourselves with your guidance system. That we would position ourselves with you. Father, so many times like that polar expedition, we go out listening to the promises of the world and we end up destroying our lives. Our Father, through neglect or through the cares of this life, and rough times we go through, sometimes our compass gets a little off kilter. Father, help us daily to come back to your word and realign and recalibrate our compass to the true north of your word. In Jesus' name. Would you stand for the benediction, please? Father, we just come to you once again, and we thank you for this time. We thank you for this place. We ask that you would bless the management of this hotel for letting us meet in this place. And now as you go, may you go in the peace of God, and may the love of Jesus Christ be with you, the grace of God be with you. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And may you go from this place aligned with God's positioning system, His Word. In Jesus' name, amen.